Can the church say praise the Lord? It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap. Let's make our webcast audience feel welcome to church in the balcony. Amen, amen. I tell you, I'm excited about being in the house of the Lord. Uh, tonight at 6 o'clock is going to be our play, and we want you to invite people and bring people, and most of all, show up yourself. Thank you, brother. And uh, we know that you will uh, be able to, uh, you know, enjoy not only a good play and presentation that they have worked hard on, but you will be able to see how... The Lord is so good to all of us. And uh, we want to um, uh, also remember all of those in prayer. We have a lot that need a touch. Sister Tennille needs a touch this morning. And we have uh, my brother who is in UK hospital. And he took his first dose of chemo yesterday. Uh, our, yeah, yesterday was Saturday. Uh, so let's remember him in prayer. And uh, I had a good talk with him and prayer with him. And uh, we just are looking for the Lord to do some great things in his life. And also, let's remember uh, Sister Shauna's sister, uh, Shannon. Uh, she is doing a lot better. She still has a long ways to go, but she's doing a lot better. And she just wants everybody to know uh, that she appreciates all the prayers, all the calls, all the food and different things that people have done to help them during this, uh, this time. Also, if you have a prayer request you'd like to make known just by the raising of your hand, the Lord sees that. He knows what that represents. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before your presence. We thank you for this opportunity that you have blessed us to be gathered here. We worship you, Lord, because you're our Savior. You're our God. You're our help. You're our strength when we're weak. And, Lord, we ask that you would move in a mighty way for each and every one that is gathered here today, that every sickness would be healed and every trouble would be solved and every person would leave this place knowing that they have been in your presence. Lord, I pray that you would bless the Sunday school classes as they teach the younger ones of your ways. I pray that you would bless the adult class, that we will take the word and rightly divide the word of truth, expound it fully, that we may all leave this place with more knowledge than we came. Lord, this, this month as the world is celebrating a lot of things, we're celebrating you as we do 365 days a year. We celebrate you, Lord, because you are what it's all about. If, the, if we don't have you, Lord, we have nothing. If we are not saved, we're in big trouble. But Lord, I just pray that you would touch lives here today. Touch Brother Larry, Lord, and give him strength. And Sister Racine, give them strength, Lord, in their bodies. They need you, Lord, to right now just come down where they are. Lord, I pray that you would bless each and every one as we have come, Lord, not to go through just some program but we have come, Lord, to lift up your name and to talk about how great you are. Lord, I love you, I praise you, and I give you honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Oh, hallelujah. If you would stand with me just for a little while longer, we want to go to 1 Peter chapter 1, and we want to begin reading at verse number 13. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins, and what does it say? Of your mind. Your mind. You've got to keep your mind. 
We sing this song sometimes, you just got your mind staying on Jesus. You got to keep your mind on Jesus in this world. So gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Here's something so powerful. It ought to stir us this morning, and we ought to shout like we never shouted before. Because it says, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, be sober, and hope to the end. we got to keep hoping to the end. We can't give up in the middle of a battle. We can't give up when things get tough. We can't give up when things get distracting. we got to hope to the end. And what do we hope for? The grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation. And it's still all about him. Somebody say, it's still all about him. Amen. The revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm glad I know who he is. I'm glad that it has been revealed to me that if I want to be saved, it's going to be through Jesus. If I want to be healed, it's going to be through Jesus. If I'm going to be delivered, it's going to be through Jesus. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we just uh, study this morning the lesson called to be holy. Lord, we come before your presence and we thank you for this opportunity that you have blessed us to study your word. Lord, I want to have hope to the end. I want to know, Lord, that the revelation that you have given us of who you are is going to go with us all the way to the end. I pray, Lord, that you would help the weak. I pray that you would help those that are wavering. I pray that you would help those that are backsliding. I pray that you would still draw those, Lord, that are losing interest in serving you, that, Lord, you would just begin to tug at their heart, help them to gird up the loins of their mind. Help us, Lord, that our mind is staying on you and our heart is dedicated to you. Our heart and mind, Lord, together, we know it's the same because we know, Lord, that when we think upon your name, when we think of all your goodness, we have to give you praise. And, Lord, I ask that you would would bless each and every one today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Let's give the Lord another mighty hand clap. And you may be seated. Well, I woke up this morning with my mind staying on Jesus. I woke up this morning with my mind Staying on the Lord. Well, I woke up this morning with my mind. Staying on Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Let's give the Lord another mighty hand clap. In view of salvation... It is important to know church is not a game we play, neither is it something we just do because it's popular. We come to church and serve the Lord because we want to be saved. We want to be saved. Our sins need to be forgiven. Our past needs to be let go. We have to find ourselves today coming to the Lord saying, I need more of your grace because we are saved by grace. We are not saved by works or else some of us wouldn't have a problem getting in. 
And then on the other hand, some of us would have a big problem trying to get in. It's not by works. Neither is it by popularity contest. Some of us would get in. Some of us would not. It's neither by the way we dress, the way we act, where we go to church, or anything like that. It is simply, and everybody say, by grace, that you are saved. Now, I know that a lot of people have misunderstood that and misquoted and uh, misunderstood how to teach that. Uh, Just because we're saved by grace don't give us a license to sin. It means that we are so thankful that it was nothing we did to deserve it, but yet he gave us that, that we want to live holy and acceptable unto him. Because if the Lord says in order to get to heaven, you got to stand on one foot for an hour a day, I would do my best to stand on one foot for an hour a day. And the reason being, I want to go to heaven. Somebody says all that you apostolics do is useless and it's weird and it's all this. And I tell you, I don't care what it takes to get to heaven. I want to go to heaven. How many wants to go to heaven? I want to go to heaven. That means I will do anything to get there. I will serve him every way I can serve him according to his word. If it means that I have to be faithful, if I have to forsake myself, if I have to let things go, I still am going to serve the Lord. There's just so many things that we could look at today and say, you know what, I believe that today, uh, you know, if uh, we judge by the size of a church, if it's going to make it, or, or the, the, the uh, programs they have, if it's going to make it, how smooth it runs, if it's going to make it. But I believe that we need to get past, and I posted this morning something that some of y'all may have read and some of y'all may not, but look me up and you'll find it. And I just posted that we ought to live in a nation where churches are not judged by the size of the congregation, but by the content of their preaching. Amen. We need preaching that is biblical. We need preaching that is line upon line and precept upon precept. I know we're living in a day where a lot of preachers have decided that in order to have a congregation, they got to quit preaching certain things. But I'm here to tell you, the day that we decide as preachers to quit preaching the Bible, the day that we decide certain parts of the Bible we need to tear out and throw away, is the day the church that that preacher preaches at finds a backslidden church I want to know, I want to know what it takes to get to heaven. Amen. And I believe that the Bible gives us specific instructions. I want to be holy. How many believes that we're called to be holy? We're called to be holy. I would like to just talk to us a little bit about that because he goes on in in verse 14 of 1 Peter chapter 1. He talks about being obedient children. Now, all of you that have kids are all you that's been kids. That includes everybody, right? All of you that have kids and all you that's been kids, you understand what obedience is. How many's got a dog? You know what obedience is, right? Perry Mason knows what obedience is. 
Because when he's not obedient, wants to pick the chair and scratch the couch, he gets disciplined. That's right. So we all know that obedience is very important in our walk with God. It's not just rules and regulations. I wish that somehow the, the devil has not convinced and had not convinced people that it's all about rules and regulations. I wish that, that people would see the lies of the devil and say, no, it's about my love for Jesus. It's about my walk with him. It's about how that I feel toward the one that went to Calvary for me. That's what we got to understand. So therefore, as obedient children, uh, we got to not fashion ourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. We cannot, and fashion is not talking about what you wear. It's talking about how you act and how you live. I'm not going to make my life what it used to be. Some people say, well, I, I went to the altar last night. Well, great for you. Has your life changed? If it hasn't changed, then you're still walking after the former lust in your ignorance. There must be a change. That's why we read this as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves. I'm not going to pattern myself after how I used to be. Some people say, well, you know, if you're going to have church, then you've got to present to the world uh, worldly stuff so that they can uh, feel comfortable. I don't want the world to feel comfortable in the church. I don't want sinners to come to church and sit there and feel like they're at home. I want them to feel welcome. I want them to feel loved. But I want them to feel conviction from above. Oh, I feel the Lord in this. So we got to be as obedient children. And uh, I'm not going to fashion my life how it used to be. We sing the song, the way I used to live, I don't live no more. Well, the way I used to live, I don't live no more. The way I used to live, I don't live no more. The Lord has made a change in me. You see, sometimes we need to understand how to be obedient children. I know that you parents have had kids that sometimes just did things you did not like. I remember one time my daughter did something. It wasn't, she never was bad. She just did something I didn't like. I probably had a bad day at work. I come home, she does some little something, and, and she's about eight, ten years old. I got mad and I said, you're going to get a whipping. I jerked off my belt and she started to run. One thing my daddy told me, never run. You're going to get it, but if you run, you're going to get it worse. So she broke to run and I had a daddy moment, my daddy moment, and I thought I'm going to lasso her and trip her. No, it, the belt buckle hit her and put a big bruise on her leg. And I cried more than she did. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I, I don't know why I did that. I don't know why. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And she's okay. And, and she's got an appointment at, at the pediatrician uh, the next week. And, and I said, now you can't tell the pediatrician <laughs> that daddy hit you with a belt buckle because he's going to come and arrest me. And uh, she said, don't worry, dad. No problem. I ain't going to tell them. We walked into the pediatrician. She sat down on the table. First thing she said, look what my daddy did to me. 
I knew we'll forget what he said because he knew us. He said, you must have been a mean little girl. She said, uh-uh. No. But you see, sometimes, sometimes uh, we want our kids to be obedient. and Sometimes we go overboard. You know, sometimes pastors want saints to be obedient, but, you know, I can't start throwing belt buckles at you. <laughs> I, can't start, I can't start making you do anything. I can't start just pounding you to do something. You've you got to have a love for Jesus. And that love for Jesus will cause you to want to submit to Him and serve Him. So as obedient children, we all like obedient children. If we tell our children to sit down shut up, we want them to sit down shut up, right? Right. That's right. I'll just tell you how it was when I was growing up. You call it old school if you want to, but it made me the man I am. When my daddy got ready to take us somewhere, he said, he lined us all up. He said, now let me tell you something. You don't touch nothing. You don't touch nothing. You don't get nothing off the shelf. You sit there. We marched in like little. <laughs> There'd be somebody there say, hey, you want something? Nope. They'd have kids. They'd say, come on, let's go outside. Nope. We'd sit right there. You know why? Because daddy said so. We're living in a day now that what daddy says don't mean nothing. What daddy says to a kid is, is persecution, abuse. That's what people saying. But you know what? I'm glad I had a daddy that loved me enough to correct me. That's right. I'm glad I had a daddy that when, when I was little and, and you know, uh, things I did and, and, and things that I'd tear up and, and the times that he would look at me and, and he, he didn't have to whip me very often because I, I had a fear of being whipped. I still don't like pain. I go to the dentist, no pain. Don't give me no pain. You know, I go to the doctor, is this going to hurt? I don't want no pain. But you see, we got to understand that, that we want our children to be obedient. Now, all of you that don't have children, that will have children someday, you're going to understand what I'm telling you right now. You're going to tell your child in a restaurant that is being mean and throwing mashed potatoes at the, at the table beside of you. And you're going to tell them, you quit that right now and sit down. And if they throw mashed potatoes one more time, what do you do? Come on, let's go to the bathroom. I've heard kids scream in church. They'd be acting up, and their parents tell them, you sit down and shut up. You, you behave yourself. And they wouldn't. The next thing you know, they got them by the hand. Okay, I'll be good. I'll be good. I'll be good. You see, kids always want to be good when they're in trouble. We always want to be good when we're in trouble. I won't do it no more, Lord. I won't do it. I promise. Right? That's the way it is. If we're not careful, we won't be obedient children. The Lord calls us his children for a reason. He looked and said that we're like sheep. Gone astray. We're wandering. Because sheep left to themselves will wander. I believe Brother Keith was one that gave us the, the information. If one sheep started going off the cliff, the other sheep would follow it. So somebody stepped in and said, don't do that. You see, that's the way children are. Your child may be the best child ever at your house. But let me tell you about little Johnny. When he gets with little Sam and little Sally and the other little kids, 
They're going to do things that's going to shock you. You're going, to, you're going to go home and say, I can't believe you did that. Now, some of you parents already have said that to your kids, right? Some of y'all had that said to you. I remember years ago, back in the day, when kids come to church, they set them on a church pew. And they told them, now you sit right here. And don't you act up. If you want to clap your hands, you clap your hands. If you want to stand and worship, stand and worship. But you're not going to make a scene. And you're not going to be running around in the front. And that's one of my pet peeves. And you know it here at Cornerstone. We don't let kids run around in the front. Right? We don't. We don't let them get on the platform. And there's a reason. All this stuff you see costs thousands and thousands of dollars. And all it takes is for one thing to get broke. And then it's thousands and thousands of dollars again. So we don't allow kids on the platform. We don't allow kids to run around. This is a holy place. This is a place for people to get in contact with the Lord. And, and this is a place where people can pray and seek the Lord. Yes, we want kids there with their parents. And we want kids at the altar. But we don't want them running around. We want them at the altar praying and seeking the Lord. Because they need to know how to pray. The Lord looked at the disciples and was talking. And all of a sudden... They saw how good Jesus prayed. How many have watched somebody pray real good and you said, I wish I could pray like that? We've all seen somebody in our life that we'd like to model our life after. Well, the disciples saw Jesus praying and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. I, I want to pray like you. You know, sometimes we, we sing a song, I want to be like Jesus. Sometimes we need to say, I want to pray like Jesus. I want to pray like Jesus. It's my desire to pray like Him. You see, we've got to learn, and that's how you learn. You get taught, right? Nobody just wakes up and knows everything about the Bible. Nobody just wakes up and says, well, I know everything. It'd be like waking up one morning and saying, well, I've reached the end of the Internet. How many knows there's no end to the Internet? You can search and search and search and search and search. We have to be obedient children. We got to change the way we live. We got to change where we go. We got to change how we act. Now, not everywhere you go is going to be sin. Right? Not everything is sin. But some things are not profitable. And, and we got to understand the difference between something that's flat out sin, like adultery, fornication, stealing, killing. That's flat-out sin, right? But sometimes there's things that's just not profitable for you. Things as a child of God that if you got involved in it, it's not sin, but it's not profitable to you. It's something that can hinder you somewhere down the line because I, I tell people this all the time. They, they have a lot of ideas of what uh, kids should be involved in and not involved in. When I start talking about what they shouldn't be involved in, they don't want to hear much from, from my side of the story. But the reason I'm saying that is because it may start out innocent, but it ends up becoming sin. Hunting, hunting, I got to learn to say my INGs. Hunting is not sin, right? Or Brother Jim would be in trouble. Hunting is not sin. But if you miss church, 
and you start hunting more than you pray, hunting more than you go to church, something's wrong. It becomes sin. So there's things, and, and I just use that as an example. I'm not picking on Brother Jim. He knows that. But you know what? There's other things we can name that's not sin. And, and people, people say, oh, well, Brother Richard don't want you to do that. He thinks it's sin. I'm going to tell you, there's some things that people say I said is sin ain't sin, and I didn't say it's sin. I'm just saying it's not profitable. It's not going to help you, child. It's not going to help you as a family. It's not going to help your child want to come to church. What if I involve them in things late on a Saturday night and they get in 1 and 2 o'clock and they're dragging in and they go to bed and you wake them up next morning and say, come on, we're going to church. And they say, no, I'm too tired. You know I got in at 2 o'clock. Okay, sleep in. I'll see you after a while. That's, that's when things that are not profitable become sin. I want to tell you something. This ain't sin. But I will tell you this. Sometimes it's not profitable for you. Because if I spend seven hours scrolling, what have I accomplished? I may know everybody's business. <laughs> but you know what? If, if I spend more time on this or an iPad or a computer, then what ain't sin becomes sin. Okay? That's what we got to understand of why we're called to be different. That's why verse 14 says, As obedient children, not, fashion, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. That tells me something. When we give our life to Jesus, we quit being ignorant. Look at that word ignorance. Nobody likes to be say, you're ignorant. Now, you can say you're crazy. You know, you look at somebody and say, you're crazy. Well, they take that as a, almost a compliment today. Yeah, I know. But if I walk up to somebody and say, you're ignorant. Praise God. <laughs> They're ready to fight. But you know what? Before we started serving Jesus, we were ignorant. We were ignorant and unlearned. We didn't know anything about how to please the Lord. But once we came to an altar and gave our life to the Lord, we started putting our face in the book and we started reading and we started saying, how can I become holy? How can I become obedient? How can I do the things Jesus wants me to do? So as obedient children, in verse 14, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is Holy. Very important. Remember, 1 Peter, New Testament. Same guy that stood up and said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. We shout about that. We believe him for that. Are we going to believe him for this now? Because this is still the same Peter. He's not gone off the deep end. He's not got wrapped up in some weird religion. He understands what happens to people when they get wrapped back up in the world. So he's saying this. This is very good. He says in verse number 15, and I want to I kind of just uh, break this down if we can for a moment because I want us to understand how important it is uh, to, to grab onto this. Verse 15. But as he which hath called you, 
That's not the preacher. That's the Lord. As he which hath called you is holy. Everybody say that. I remember uh, I was talking to somebody and they said, oh, your holiness. And they said it in that manner, almost sarcastic. Oh, your holiness. I said, no, it's holiness. Because if I want to make it to heaven, I got to be holy. Amen. Amen. That means our young people, our children, our young people, young adults, married, young people, uh, uh, old people like me. Got to be holy. Look what else it says. So be ye holy. Now, we, we talk about holiness. And, and because verse 15 began to say, as he is holy, we have to be holy. In all manner of conversation. Right? All manner of conversation. That means our speech should be holy. We don't praise the Lord on Sunday and then go out and cuss somebody out on Monday. We don't come Wednesday and give glory, hallelujah, to Jesus. And then on Thursday, go out and talk about somebody. You don't have to cuss somebody out to make it sin. You can talk about people. You can be rude. I met a lot of rude people. Let me tell you what happened. For instance, I was at my middle granddaughter's graduation at Moorhead State University yesterday, and the crowds were, were shoulder to shoulder. Well, I stopped because a lady, a, a lady in a wheelchair about 80, 90 years old and looks like maybe their daughter or granddaughter was pushing them. I stopped to let them by. You know what the person behind me did? Excuse me. And got right in front of the wheelchair. And they had to stop. So that person who had such important things to do had to get by. You know what? If we're, if we're children of God and we're rude. It's sin. It's sin. I know. I know that sometimes uh, you, may, you may step out in front of somebody or you may do something that, that you didn't know. And, and it, those times happen. But when you're just flat out rude to somebody, that's sin. And, and we have to worry about our conversation. Right? Not just our conversation among each other. Not just conversation in front of the pastor. Our conversation to people at work. Our conversation to people we go to school with. People that in the community. People at the restaurant. Praise God if they don't fill my drink one more time. I'm not leaving them no tip. You're leaving them a tip anyway. You're getting a lot you don't deserve. Oh, that'll sink in one day. You know, some people say they don't deserve a tip. Well, they probably don't. They're getting paid, right? That'd be like me, you know. I don't get paid to be a preacher, but just say when I was working in the coal mines, I'd, I'd uh, go up to the mine manager and say, Hey, uh, I'd like to have a tip. He'll say, Here's your tip. Get out of my face. 
You see, sometimes we forget how we're supposed to talk. We're supposed to be nice. It'll shock people when you're nice to them. I opened up a door and let a whole flood of people come out of the gymnasium. And, and then when the last ones come through, I let go of the door, and I was the last one coming out, and there's a guy holding the door open for me. I said, thank you, sir. He said, you're welcome. You know what? When people come to uh, go over across in front of me to get a seat, we all stood up because those seats fold up, so you stood up to let people walk by. You didn't sit there and look on your phone and say, But I know people that do that that are Christians. Shame on anybody that's rude to others. And you call yourself a Christian. Amen. Shame. Be ye holy in all manner of conversation. But also it says, for it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. That's the commandment of the Lord. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. If you're going to call on the Lord, you better start serving the Lord. I know people say, oh, praise God. Pray that I can get out of this. I've heard drunks say, pray the Lord will bring me through this. Because they're puking their guts out. And then when they get through it, same thing again. You see, some people do that in, in church. Lord, deliver me from this. And the Lord delivers you and you go out and you get in the same mess. Right? This is good teaching right here. This will either straighten you up or, or get you at the altar. It'll do one of the two. Called to be holy. It's not a cornerstone thing. It's not a Richard McKinney thing. It's a God thing. Amen? It's a God thing. Respect people. Honor people. Be nice to people. Be kind to people. If, if there is, is people getting ready to go in to a restaurant instead of you opening the door and running in to get your name on the list first, why not hold the door open for them? I'm talking about representing Christ. I don't believe Jesus tripped people to get in to get the loaves and the fishes. Because he knew what he's going to do with the loaves and the fishes. All you got to do is remember everything's going to be all right. And we can win people and witness to people just by our conversation and actions. You may see me out, and I've had people see me out, and they say, well, Brother Richard, I didn't even know that was you. I said, I'm incognito. Because I had my sweatshirt on, and I had, I had uh, blue jeans on and tennis shoes, and they, they didn't recognize me. I went to church with people before, and, and, and they'd have a ball cap on, and, and I'd walk right by them, and they'd say, okay, Pastor, if that's your way you want to be. And I look around, and it's somebody that comes to church here. And I'll say, well, I didn't even see you. I pass people on the, on the road, and they say, Pastor, you just drove right by me. I was waving almost mad. You know, crazy. I said, well, I must have had something on my mind. Must have been Jesus on my mind. That's my excuse. My excuse is, well, I had Jesus on my mind. <laughs> we got to understand something about being nice to people and respecting people and, and spend our 
time sojourning, which means our time of traveling, our time on earth here in fear. For as much as you know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers. Notice what tradition says. Tradition says it's all about money. Notice what tradition says. Tradition says it's all about your former life. It's all about prestige and honor. It's all about who you know. That's what the former things are. But he says to them, you weren't redeemed with silver and gold, corruptible things. You were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Oh, how I love him that he was willing to shed his blood. I want you to know something about blood. The blood that courses through your veins is the life of your body. When your blood gets sepsis or infection, you will die. If you don't get it treated, if you don't get it taken care of, you'll get weaker and weaker and weaker and die. My mom passed away at the age of 42 because of sepsis. I want you to know blood is important. And instead of coming to church and sitting on pews like God owes us something, we ought to say every drop of blood, every drop of blood was for me, my family. Every drop of blood was shed so I could be saved. Hallelujah. So if you're going to call on the Father, if you're going to call on the Lord, then you're going to have to remember it's not by silver and gold. That's that's just tools in your hands. How many knows money's just a tool? That's right. The love of money, root of all evil. So if you've got the love of money in your heart, evil's going to abound. But it's a tool. We all have to use this tool to get through this world. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a time when that tool ain't going to work. It's called the mark of the beast. There's going to be a one world government, a one world currency, and a one world religion. So don't get caught up in all of this fastness of Oh, man, that church is growing in leaps and bounds. Oh, that church or that organization is huge. i got to be a part of something big. Be careful. Because in the end time, the false prophet is going to have a big church. It's going to be worldwide. Everybody's going to look and say, Woo, man, I want to be a part of that. They got this huge cathedral. They got a cathedral in this state and that state and every state. And they got all sorts of stuff going on. Oh, man, it's awesome. And the Bible says that the world will follow them. That's right, the world will. You need to understand this. Because if, if, if everything's about how big a church is, how, how, how huge it is, how many members it has, the next thing you know, you're going to be looking in the last day for this huge one world church and you won't even know enough Bible to know that it's the Antichrist. You'll just know enough to say, I want to be part of that. I'll tell you what, I've been to Lexington. I've been to Louisville. 
I've been to Ohio. I've been a lot of places. There ain't nothing like East Kentucky for me. Amen. That's right. I like, to, I like to know that when people come to church, uh, number one, I know them. The Bible says, know them that labor among you. I know them, and, and we're pretty safe here. It's not always going to be that way. We're pretty safe here. But I want you to know something. I'm glad that we live in a small area that still praises Jesus when you ask them to. Still says, I'll live holy when you show them in the Word. Still says, I'll dress different, I'll talk different, I will be different. Because you go to some places and they're just as rude in the house of God as some people I met at the graduation. I've had people step on my toes, bump into me. Excuse me. Sure. <laughs> sure. I'm just trying to make it to the pew. You know? So you will find that in every facet of life. But we are supposed to be different. We're called to be holy. We are expected to be holy. We're expected to be different. People should look at you and you should never have to say, I serve Jesus. They should recognize it from how you act and what you do. Now it's easy to recognize ladies, right? Their uncut hair. It's still uncut in our day. The uncut hair, the dresses, it's easy to spot them. Men, it's harder to spot a little, little more. But one thing we all have in common is we all have to be nice, good, separate, loving people. Love souls. Love people. Want to see people saved. Want to see our families brought in. We can't, we can't come to church and, and sing uh, praises unto the Lord and then go home and, and make our family hate us. Something's wrong. Because you've got to have your family love you and, and, and you've got to be good to people. And if you'll do that, I guarantee there's going to be people still disagree with you. And there's still going to be people that don't like you. But you know what? The Lord will look at you and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you. Who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Woo, that's good stuff right there. It might be in God. And I want to read one more verse. Being born again. Everybody say born again. You ask people today, I guarantee you ask people today what born again is, and some can't even tell you what that means. They did a survey just the other day. All of you that seen Palestinians uh, protesting, uh, supporting Hamas and, and against Israel, and they got these signs that says, from the river to the sea. Well, I could probably ask about half of y'all what that means, and you might just scratch your head. But what that literally means is 
Israel would be annihilated. There'd be no Israel from the river to the sea. So they did a survey. They went out in the streets in these protests and these marches. And all these college students are, are doing this from the great universities of our country, the great minds of our day. And they're saying, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And they're going on and on and on. And they would ask them and got it on video. This is not something made up. They got them on video. Said, what does it mean from the river to the sea? And that, they're going, uh, uh, I don't know. Protests and stuff they don't have a clue about. A lot of people that persecute you, persecute you for living this way because they don't have a clue of what it really says in the Bible. There's people that look at you and say, well, you know, you don't have to do all that. And we don't do all that at our church. And, and, and y'all just a little overboard. Y'all a bunch of pilgrims. And I say that we are. Strangers and pilgrims in this land. And I'm trying to make it to the promised land. I'm trying to make it to the land flowing with milk and honey. I'm not worried about a gold street. I just want to make it through the gates. Amen. I just want to make it through the gates. I thought about this, and they was asking them, what does it mean? And they didn't know. You can ask a lot of people, what does it mean to simply be born again? And they will be people that won't be able to tell you what it means to be born again. Some people will say, well, you know, you start going to church. No, they don't save you. Well, let's see. Uh, maybe it's because you prayed. Nope, that don't save you. If you don't know the plan of salvation, you're going to be lost. Jesus himself said you must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. And there ain't no use to try to be born of the water and of the Spirit if you have not repented. And that's one thing that you can teach your children at home and Sunday school kids is you don't get baptized just because everybody else is doing it. You've got to know what repentance is. You've got to know you've sinned and come short of the glory of God. And when the tears begin to flow, I tell you, I don't know what people call conviction today. But in my day, when conviction hit you, there was not a dry eye that conviction hit. There was tears that began to flow. And there was a cry out. But in our world today, we don't want to get messed up. So we're not going to cry. We're not going to get sweaty. We're not going to pray. After all, if snot runs down my nose, it just ruins my image. But I'm going to tell you something. We better get back to the old-fashioned, sin-killing, devil-chasing, camp-meeting type of worship and praise and seeking of the Lord. If we don't seek the Lord like the Bible says and get born again, what does it mean to be born again? You've got to repent. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name, not just any name and not just any way. Family does a lot of stuff and they put guilt on you. And if grandma ain't saved, ain't nobody saved. Well, I'm going to tell you, if grandma didn't repent and get baptized in Jesus' name and get filled with the Holy Ghost, I don't care how good she lived. 
People, people try to say, well, praise God. Uh, uh, you know, I heard him say about this about a preacher one time. He said, oh, if he don't make it in, ain't nobody going to make it in. I ain't judging my experience of making it in by somebody else. I'm judging how to make it in by the Word of God. Nothing but the Word, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by, and get this, the Word of God. You need to read it. You need to know it. You don't just need to sit and let a preacher tell you about it. Because sometimes preachers, with all the good intentions, don't tell you the whole story. We got to get back to understanding if we're going to see people saved, we're going to have to start telling them, you need Jesus. I can't, I can't lure people here by the programs we present. I can't lure people here by our singing and praise and worship and all of that. But people come because they feel drawn of the Lord. That's why you need anointing in the house. That's why when we show up on Sunday morning, this ain't just a Sunday school that we go through and then we'll have a little anointing later. No, we need anointing now because somebody might be here this morning that needs a yoke broken. I feel the Holy Ghost in this. Called. Everybody say called. Called to be holy. We are told to gird up our minds. The epistles of Peter have suffered unfortunate neglect in recent study because their brevity, especially when compared to the writings of Paul, leads to the mistaken assumption that they're less valuable. How many knows that when you study the Bible, there's things called minor prophets and major prophets? Now, none of them is better than anybody else. So don't say, well, I'm going to read about the major ones because the minor don't mean nothing. Tell that to an East Kentuckian. The minor don't mean nothing. You're going to get told real quick what keeps your lights on. That's right. What puts food on your table. What keeps the grocery store open. What keeps businesses open. You'll be told real quick. But we're talking about minor, which is sometimes looked at as less, but it means that they were smaller uh, books. They were less uh, written about it, not less important. We, we look at Peter's writings and we say, well, it's just 1 Peter, 2 Peter. And Paul wrote all three quarters of the New Testament, so I'm just going to believe what Paul says. No, you better listen to Peter. If you don't get past the day of Pentecost with Peter... Ain't no use to read first and second. Right? I'll tell you what, after you get past Acts chapter 2, there's a life to live. There is a life to live. And if you don't live it, I can't help you live it. I can just preach it to you. If you don't live it, you're the one that's going to stand before the Lord. I ain't going to stand before the Lord and say, well, you know, uh, I, 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 I preached it to them and I tried to make them live it and all that. no. All I'm going to be held accountable for is what I preach to you. Now, if I don't preach it, I'm in trouble. But that still, even if I quit preaching truth today, that still don't give you an excuse to live any way you want to live. 
You'd have to go on living right and holy and separate and dedicated to the Lord, girding up your minds and all these things. Still the same if every church in East Kentucky quit preaching truth. Because it's up to us as individuals to make it. You got to work out your own soul salvation. That don't mean just pick and choose what you want to do. That means it's up to you. When Brother Larry stands before the Lord, Brother Larry's going to have to get an account of his life. Ain't nobody going to come up and say, well, I went to church with him. He's a good man. No, he's going to have to give an account. Just like you're going to have to give an account. Every one of us have to give an account. And we better have done enough, known enough, and proceeded with the plan of salvation in order to hear him say, well done. Because if we don't hear him say, well done, we're in trouble. But just because First and Second Peter are just a couple of books, don't pass them up. I tell people all the time, and you've heard me say this in Bible study. You've heard me say things like, uh, read, uh, you know, First, Second, Third John, Jude, and Revelation. But First, Second, and Third John and Jude, if you read that and you don't feel like you need to pray more, something's wrong with you. You need to go sometimes and read those little books, you know, First, Second, Third John, just little books, and Jude. Just a little book. But man, they put it where, where it is. If you, don't, if you read that and you don't feel the need to pray more, come talk to me and we'll pray together. Because I'm going to tell you, the Word of God has everything we need. And once we repent, there is a life to live. There is something we're supposed to do. We're not to just sit around and say, well, I'm going to figure it out myself because it's already been figured out for us. Be ye holy. These brief letters are of immense value. Right? How many believes the Bible is important? How many believes the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is important? We need it all, don't we? Man cannot live or shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So we see here something important. Rejecting the former things is part of us walking the walk. People say, are you walking right? Yeah, I am. Well, then you must be rejecting the former things. Things you used to do, you don't do no more. Habits you had, you toss them out the window. Right? Oh, I know I'm, I'm preaching where people don't want to hear. we got to adopt a mindset that means we're rejecting another mindset we had. we got a new mind. We're a new man, a new woman. The old man is what? Passed away. Amen. So when we look at this, we understand that we have to pursue Jesus, I want to pursue him. What does it mean to serve Jesus? What does it take to be children of obedience? With this new identity that all of us have, given unto us by the Lord as a child of God, we are now children of obedience. 
Throughout Scripture, obedience to divine commands is the essence of humanity's uh, proper relationship to God. Everything you read in the Old Testament was on commandments, rules, and regulations. Right? That's what commandments are, by the way. People say, I don't like to go to church. Too many rules and regulations. Well, you must not like Jesus. Because he came to set some rules and regulations. We got rules and regulations. There are rules and regulations called the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. We find that everything in the Old Testament law, if you read it and you understood it, you saw that it was thou shalt not and thou shalt. Keep this feast and don't do this. Build this tabernacle, set in it, and remember where I brought you from. Ah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Throw a pump tent in the backyard and set in it and think about where God brought me from. That's, we ought to do that sometime. You ought to get away from the iPhone, the iPad, and the i. And, and, and maybe, maybe just sitting there in the quietness of the moment, you can just reflect on God and say, Oh man, look where he brought me from. Look what he's done for me. Look how he's blessed me. I looked around at that, that uh, graduation yesterday, and I was a blessed man. I said, look how the Lord's blessed me. I got granddaughters that are graduating college. I've, they're, they're, you know, they're not on drugs. I'm a, I'm a blessed man. I'm a blessed man. When you look around and you see how blessed we really are. I mean, just look around. How blessed we really are right here at Cornerstone. Amen. We are blessed. Reflecting God's holiness, we got to be holy as He is holy. I want to make sure that I'm responding to the right word. I'm responding to the right word. I, I understand in closing today that there's a lot of things that all of us respond to. We respond to popularity. If something's popular, we respond to it. Just take, for instance, where's a good place to eat? Oh, man, you got to go to Texas Roadhouse. Well, then everybody goes to Texas Roadhouse because it's popular. got to go to Texas. That's how he feels at home. He goes to Texas Roadhouse and eat. He's from Texas. <laughs> We've adopted him, though. He's now East Kentuckian. We got to respond to God's redemption. We got to reflect on the things God's done for us. He's been good to all of us. I wonder, could we just raise our hands right now and just say, God's been good to me. God's been good to me. Hallelujah. It may not be popular in our day to go to a church that believes we're called to be holy. It may not be popular when you talk to your friends and they say, why do you keep dressing like that? And why do you keep doing that? Can't you wear anything away from church that, that ain't dresses and skirts and all that? No. You know why? Because I've girded up the loins of my mind. I've got my mind made up. I got my foot on the rock and my mind's made up. Though I walk through the lonely valley, though I drink of the bitter cup, when the devil comes a-knocking, showing me an easier way, 
I stand right square on my feet. I look him straight in the eye. I say my foot's on the rock and my mind's made up. If your mind's made up, give the Lord a mighty hand. Oh, could we stand and give a standing ovation to the Lord? Hallelujah. Just go ahead and give him some praise and some honor. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give some praise and some honor. Oh, Jesus, you've been good to us. You've been so good. You've been so good. You've been so good. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. As you are standing, I want to turn it over to Brother Dwayne. He's going to come at this time. Let's give the Lord and Brother Dwayne a great hand. Amen. I was thinking as Brother McKinney was uh, teaching, got to thinking about that song. Amen. I have been blessed. Amen. How many have ever heard that old song? I have been blessed. He's been so good to me. Amen. That I cannot tell it all. But I'm going to try. Amen. Anybody got any birthdays? Anniversaries? We won't call your age out if you don't want it, but we'll count the money. Anybody got any birthdays or anniversaries? Anytime you sowed the seed? Amen. I believe in giving to the ministry of the Lord, don't you? The work, the works of the Lord, amen. Somebody get a child? have a heart to give, but I want my family to have a heart to give. Amen. I want I want them to know that, that God's house comes first and foremost. Amen. Something Brother McKinney taught a long time ago. I'm going to tell his age. It's many times ago I remember this message. You know, how important it's more blessed to give than receive. Amen. And that is true. That is true. It is more blessed because what he said was, God gives you the increase. He gives you the 90% and he just asks for the 10. Amen. I, I wish our government was like that, don't you? Amen. They want more than 10. Amen. So it is more blessed to give than receive. Not just money, but of your time, of your efforts, like he was talking about. Me and Brother Keith was, was just talking before service. He made a, a, a wonderful suggestion to the men. So I want the men to be thinking about this. He said, we're going to have to start giving some Bible lessons. Amen. Because God's give us something. Brother, I don't want to hide it under a bush, do you? Amen. But I want to share it with the world. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. You know, I'm supposed to be a minister. I should be giving Bible lessons. Amen. And if you do it with zeal, if you go out and you talk to somebody with zeal in your heart, like you're still on fire for God, like we should be saints of God, they'll want to learn about it. Their brother Jimmy does. They'll want to know. They'll, they'll say, you know, don't go up to them and say, yeah. No, be enthused about it. Because God saved my soul. He done that just for me. 
Amen. And I want to see somebody else on fire. Amen. God touched Sister Tennille. Her blood pressure bottomed out. We had prayer. Amen. And through prayer and some Lay's potato chips, God moved. Amen. And I thank God. I don't want to take that for granted. No, I joke, but I don't take it lightly, the blessings of the Lord. Amen. Because we got to have a vision. Proverbs 29 and 18 says this. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Saints of God just outside those doors and sadly sometimes inside the church. There's people perishing. They're dying out. Why? Because me and you's not reaching out. Let me tell you right now, God's doing his part. There is no slack. There is no lacking on his part. But if we don't have a vision and a heart to reach, the people's going to perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Amen. I want to be a happy church, don't you? Amen. I want to make my Lord happy and pleased with me. Amen. Y'all come today to shout and to give victory. Amen. Don't let the children out shout you, let me tell you. Amen. It's time that we be about, Brother Keith, our Father's business. It's time that we get down to business and start reaching out for the Lord. Amen. How many's ready to, to worship Him today? How many come with a heart to lift up the name of the Lord? Will you all worship with us? Come on, church. Amen. Yes, Jesus. Jesus.
said, I looked to my left, there was no God. I looked around me, there was no God. I looked in the earth, looked under the earth, there was no God. There's only one God and He is on the throne. That's why we can worship Him today. Hallelujah. Let's remember my brother in prayer, James McKinney Jr. Let's also remember Shauna, uh, Sister Shauna's sister, Shannon Pruitt in prayer. Uh, Gwen, um, this is Sister Emily's mom and Sister Grace's grandmother. Let's remember her in prayer. There are just so many that need a touch today. So many sick. And, and we're not sick, right? So we need to pray for them. If you have a prayer request you'd like to make known just by the raising of your hand, the Lord sees that and knows what that represents. Let's talk to Jesus right now. Lord, we come before your presence and we thank you for this opportunity to talk to you, to cast all of our care before you because we know you care for us. I pray, Lord, that you would move in a mighty way for each and every one, those on our prayer list, those in the hospital, nursing home, wherever they may be this hour, those in this sanctuary that need a touch, those, Lord, that are watching by way of webcasts that need miracles in their life. Lord, I pray that you would just move in a mighty, miraculous way as we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let it assure us Jesus is mine He's been my fourth man in the fire Time after time Born of His Savior 
trust in God. We're going to ask our ushers to come. We're going to take up today's offering. Give us the Lord blesses you. Lord, we come before your presence and we thank you for this opportunity that you have given us to give in the offering. I pray, Lord, that you would bless each and every soul that has to give as we give freely unto you. We don't do it grudgingly, but willfully. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to do it cheerfully. And, Lord, we're going to give you the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, God, my God, I 
a special song coming up and we want to continue our worship and praise before we get into the word today. Let's worship. Take me back to where we started 
Oh 
Jesus, you don't owe me anything more than anything that you can do. I just want you. Oh, hallelujah. We thank the Lord for all that have come today. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. I believe the word is going to bless you today. I know the music has ushered us into a special place with the Lord, but music can't save you. It just gets you there. Amen. So I'm glad for our music department. Let's give them a great hand, our music department, our praise team. Amen. They have ushered us into the presence of the Lord. At this time, I'm going to turn it over, and Brother Caleb DeBarge is going to come. So let's give the Lord and Brother DeBarge a great hand. Let's give the Lord some praise right now. Hallelujah. I wonder why I get prepared. Can we give the Lord a little more praise right now? He is deserving. Glory. I do not mind to take a little bit more time to prepare uh, because I would rather not be in the middle of preaching and everything just fall apart, literally <laughs> fall apart. Today, as I prepare, if you would also prepare and turn in the word of the Lord to Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 11. Glory, he's worthy of our praise, isn't he, church? just got too much stuff. That's the problem. I am excited to be here in the house of the Lord this morning. I uh, do not take this honor lightly. I give honor where honor is due to my dear pastor. I appreciate him, my pastor's wife. And they do so much behind the scenes that we don't even recognize, don't don't acknowledge half the time we come in and expect it to be done. But if it was not for them, it would not be done. So I give them honor. I appreciate them. Glory. Give honor to my beautiful wife and my child and, of course, all of you that are here today. Today I want to dig into the word of the Lord with what the Lord I feel has given me and laid on my heart. The title today, I'll go ahead and get that out of the way. The title that I would love to use is changing our weapons, changing our weapons. We find ourselves in Ephesians 6 and 11, and before I get there, I feel there is a spirit of affliction on this church, in this church, but there is also a spirit of victory in this church, and they are battling for your attention. Which spirit are you going to acknowledge this morning? Are you going to let the spirit of affliction distract you from the spirit of victory? Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11, and it says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. However long ago it was that Paul wrote 
this letter to the church of Ephesus. His words still ring truth today. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. This world has principalities and powers of darkness that seek to destroy the church. And we need to be prepared. We need to be prepared. If you would, join me as we go before the Lord in prayer this morning. Lord, we come before you today, and we ask that you begin to anoint this congregation. I pray against any distraction. I pray against any spirit that would try and take away a child's attention from this message. I pray that you begin to anoint us, anoint the preacher, and anoint the, the congregation to receive. In Jesus' mighty name, and the church said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm excited for what the Lord's doing in this place. I'm excited for what I feel. I'm excited for you to be here today. You see, as we begin to dig into our text for today, we acknowledge the action that the author Paul is calling the reader to. He says, put on the whole armor of God. He is trying to get the church of Ephesus' attention. And this morning, I'm using his letter to try and get the church of Phelps, Kentucky's attention. Put on the full armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. This statement calls us to acknowledge that we are vulnerable and need to be covered. We are a church of godly apostolic individuals, but we are a church of individuals made of flesh, flesh that is tempted, flesh that is battled, flesh that is fought, and every day we have to acknowledge we are vulnerable, so I need to be covered. You're the one that decides what you're covered with. Am I covered by the whole armor of God, or am I covered by what this world's offering, by what this world's selling? I'm not trying to go to a discount store and get half percent off on, on the armor that this world's trying to sell. I don't care what it takes. I'm going to buy and I'm going to purchase and I'm going to use the full armor of God. If I got to sacrifice a little bit, I'm going to be covered. But what I know works. Hallelujah. I pray I'm speaking to somebody this morning. See, this statement calls us to acknowledge we're vulnerable and need to be covered. Paul goes on to give reasons and attempt to persuade the reader to heed his warnings, if you would. Put on the whole armor of God. Prepare yourself that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You see, Paul was not ignorant to the fact that the devil and principalities and rulers of the darkness of this world are going to fight God's people. He was not ignorant to it. So the church of, day can, of today cannot be ignorant to it. You're going to be fought. It's part of being a Christian. You're going to be persecuted. But he said, hey, it counted all joy. When you find yourself in diverse temptations, you're going to be persecuted for my name's sake. But he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. That's a promise unto you and unto your children. And to as many as the Lord our God shall call. It's a promise that we're able to hold on to because we understand if God says it, it shall be done. It will be done. Yes. Thy will be done, not ours. Yes. Hallelujah. His ways are higher than our ways. His words higher than ours. You see, Paul was not ignorant to the fact that, that darkness tries to come against the church. 
reality. Every single day you will fight on the battlefield of your mind. The adversary has weapons he will use to distract and destroy you. I've already called out one of those weapons, the spirit of affliction. He is using it to distract this church from what the Lord is trying to do. He will use weapons to distract you. And as long as he keeps you distracted, you're going to burn out and you're going to die spiritually. Because right here, this altar, this pulpit where we sit here and we preach, these are the spiritual logs on which we cast on the fire of the Holy Ghost that burns inside of you. But if you are distracted and you're not being fed, that fire is going to burn out. If you're not feeding that flame every single day, it's going to burn out. If you're not equipping yourself to, to, to defend that fire, it's going to burn out. Hallelujah. See, the adversary has weapons. But what the devil doesn't want you to remember or to acknowledge is that he has no new tricks. Come on, somebody, there's no new thing under the sun. Just because he tries to present a battle a different way doesn't change the solution. I'm here to tell somebody, God's the solution. God's the answer. If you don't know where to go, if you don't know where to turn, turn to God. He's the one that equips you. He's the one that fights your battles. God's the solution. Hallelujah. You see, spiritual battles that you face cannot be fought with carnal, with carnal weapons, with the expectation of spiritual victory. I'm going to say that again for the ones in the back, for the ones that didn't hear. You cannot fight spiritual battles with carnal weapons and expect spiritual victory. See, the question that I pose to the church today is when are we going to trade in our traditional weapons for the ones God has prepared us with and prepared for us? See, God can use non-traditional weapons to win unimaginable battles. If we allow him to work, he can work in our situation. If we will let go of the reins, he will send us in the direction he wants us to go. God can use these non-traditional weapons to win unimaginable battles. The battle that you are in may require a different weapon to win than the one before. We have traditional weapons. We have weapons that we think is what I need if I'm going to succeed. This weapon is what I need if I'm going to make it through as a Christian. We hold on to these weapons for so long and with such a tight grip. God's trying to pull them out of our hands and replace them with something else. You see, David went before King Saul and he said, I will fight that, that giant. You see, he had a spiritual indignation, a righteous indignation that rose up within him. Whenever he saw someone coming against the promises of God, coming against the, the, the armies of the living God. You see, we should be as David. We should be convicted and annoyed and aggravated whenever the adversary or this world would tell us to shut up and sit down. 
But instead, we hide in the corner because we're the only Christian in our school. We're the only Christian at our job site. We're the only Christian at the store that we know of. So no, I'm not going to make a big scene. Let's make a big scene. If this world's not afraid to show how proud they are of the sin that they're living in, let's be proud of the God that we serve. See, David went before King Saul. He said, I will fight that giant. If every other soldier that you have is hiding behind trees and stones and shaking in their, their leather sandals, I will go out and I will fight. It shows you how, how desperate King Saul was because he was willing to let a child go out and fight a man's battle. But you see, I think, and this is just Caleb speaking, I think that Saul recognized that spiritual indignation. Because Saul, if you don't remember, was called an anointed of God. There's going to be people that acknowledge the anointing in your life. Whether they acknowledge it to your face or not, they acknowledge that God is the one fighting your battles. Hallelujah. Do not let these people that although they acknowledge the spiritual uh, indignation within you and the godliness on you, do not let them equip you with carnal weapons. See, Saul said, okay, if you're going to fight, I'm going to give you some things. I'm going to give you a sword so that you can fight Goliath. I'm going to give you a shield and a spear so you can fight Goliath. See, he was trying to equip him with things that David was not skilled in. Whenever you try and operate in something that you have not been prepared in, you can hurt yourself. You can hurt others. So if you're up here and you're trying to witness to people, if you're up here and you're trying to lay hands on people, but you haven't been prepared, God hasn't equipped you with the tools and with the weapons to fight those spiritual battles, you better be careful because you're either going to hurt yourself or you're going to hurt somebody else. We have to acknowledge that there's going to come a time we lay down the carnal weapons and let God... Equip us with the weapons that's going to win our battles. I'm equipped with praise. I'm equipped with worship. I'm equipped with what it's going to take simply because I found an altar and God equipped me. God gave me the answer. God fought my battles. And because I was willing to give him my little bits, he took me all the way. How many times do we compare the weapons of this world to the weapons that God tries to equip us with? We say, I don't want a little tambourine. I don't want something so little whenever I can have something that's so flashy and so big. But yet, this is a weapon of destruction. This is a weapon that is going to hinder you from doing what God has called you to do. And although it's big and although it can be used to win battles, if God's trying to equip you with a little bit, take it because he's the one that multiplies. Yeah. 
You say, I can't win this battle. I don't have very much to give. I can't win this battle. The weapons that I possess are so little. God can use that little bit. Stop trying to take it on yourself to win spiritual battles. If you're addicted, let God begin to use the little bit of praise that you do have. Come to an altar, lay down all the addiction, lay down the pain and affliction, and let God use the little bit to win those battles. Bombs and guns are not the way that we fight our battles. You see, history shows us that bombs and guns have been used and that they may win temporary physical battles, but yet years later, we are on the brink of more wars. We're in the middle of more battles. But if we would have turned to God in the first place, if we would have turned to God and found an altar as a generation, as a nation of individuals willing to reach out to God, he would have forgiven our sins. He would have healed our land. Brother Caleb, how do you know that? Because Scripture said it. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear them from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. If my people will stop hiding in the dark and doing things that are ungodly, if my people will stop living a double standard and a double life and going out into the world and living the way they want to and then showing up on a Sunday and judging people, then you will you'll see the victory. God's trying to pour out anointing. God's trying to saturate the church with anointing so that whenever a stranger or someone off the street comes in, they feel the anointing. But because we're still holding on to carnal weapons, because we're still holding on to the sword of offense, God can't move. He's trying to give you the anointing. He's trying to use your praise, but he can't because you're holding on to carnal weapons. Change your weapons and God will change your life. Amen. I'm speaking to somebody today. I, I don't know, you might not have very long. God might be reaching out for the last time. He might be reaching out and trying to pull at you whether it's someone in this place or someone via the webcast, he's pulling at you and saying, let go with the carnal weapons and let me fight your battles. If you don't let go, destruction is for sure. See, David was telling, O King Saul, a little bit of history about himself. See, the king was trying to equip him with what he thought was the weapons to win the war. But David said, let me tell you a little bit about myself, King Saul. He said, King, your servant was in the field watching his father's sheep. And a bear came along, and a lion came along, and they sought to take the sheep. But I smote the bear, and I smote the lion. I went out and I fought. You see, David did not tell the king he fought because he wanted to. 
He didn't say, I thought it would be a cool story to go back and to tell my friends. You see, David did not tell the king he fought because he felt like a strong and skilled fighter. David told the king, I fought because my father's sheep were in danger. Something rose up in him when he saw the flock that he was in charge of in danger. And he said, I stood up and I grabbed the beard of that bear and I smote him. I grabbed the beard of that lion and I smote him. All because my father's sheep were in danger. You best praise God that you have a, a shepherd that is willing to fight spiritual battles for you, for the flock that God has put him over. And you better be the one behind him, backing him with praise unto God and prayer for your man of God. See, David did not tell the king all these things to be, bring honor to him. He said, God, God will and has sent someone to fight for his flock, for his people. He goes back, he said, the bear and the lion required my fist. But Goliath required David to get down on his knees at a watery brook and pick up some stones. He knew that the same weapon that God had used before might not be the weapon that God was preparing for this battle. We hold on to the weapons that we know have won but that might not be what God's trying to use. If he's trying to use someone in this house, uh, you better let him because if he doesn't use you and he passes you up, he's going to use somebody else uh, and you're going to feel real funny whenever they push past you and they do exactly what God's called you to do. I've had it happen. It's not fun. Conviction. Shame, regret falls all over me in the middle of an altar because I was willing to, to, to fight with what God was trying to get me to do. And because I wasn't willing to move when he said move, God used somebody that brushed past me and, and they weren't polite about it. They were trying to do what God had equipped them to do. They were trying to get to where a hurting soul was and they began to talk to that person and I knew exactly what they were saying although I couldn't hear them because God had just told me to say the same thing and because I didn't, he sent somebody in my place. David was sent in somebody's place to fight Goliath. If you're not willing to fight, God's going to equip someone else. Do not get offended when God uses someone else to, and he gives them your anointing. He gives them your blessings. Do not get offended because you weren't willing to move. When are we going to kneel down and let God equip us? When the carnal king would like to equip us with the weapons of this world. When he would, he would give us the sword of offense, he would give us the shield of complaining and the breastplate of gossip and the helmet of insecurity. I'm going to do like David. I'm going to refuse the armor of the carnal king. Why? Because just as David knew, I knew, I know my battles aren't won because of the sword that I hold. We got to remember who's fighting our battles, church. We got to remember who is on our side. It doesn't matter the battle before us if we know who stands behind us. 
Hallelujah. My battle is not won because of the skills that I possess. But I am reminded, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit alone, saith the Lord of hosts. We got to remember who's fighting our battles. We got to remember, you come to me with a sword and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. We got to remember, if he be for me, who can be against me? We got to remember, he's a strong tower in which the righteous run into and find refuge. We got to remember, he is mighty in battle and his train fills the temple. We got to stop putting God in the limitations of our mind and we have to start remembering he is the God that fights my battles. He's the God that prepares a table before my enemies to feast. When my enemies came upon me to eat of my flesh, they stumbled and they fell. Why? Because my God's fighting my battles. We have to stop putting God in these limitations of us, of what we can do. Stop looking at the situations you are in through a lens of defeat. I was told growing up, my father very wise, very kind, very stern at times, and I appreciate it so much. Tell me, if you go out and do something and believe in your mind that you're already defeated, believe that you've already lost, it doesn't matter how well you do this. It doesn't matter how well you play the game. It doesn't matter how much effort you've put in. If you go into it with the mindset that you're defeated, you're defeated. If we come into the church knowing that our God is greater than any mountain before us, knowing that our God is more skilled than any adversary before us, but we come in with a defeated mindset, we're defeated. We got to stop looking at the situations with defeat. See, God creates a solution according to the problem, He used Egypt. The very place his people were held captive by Pharaoh as a place of refuge for Joseph and Mary and Jesus during the reign of King Herod. Stop looking at your situation as a place where tribulation occurs and start rejoicing for the place God has brought you is where life is sustained. Where you are kept. We should wake up every morning worshiping God because he kept us through the night. We, we're worried about our midnight hours, but that's where God has kept us and sustained us till the next morning. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. I pray I'm preaching to somebody today. We got to stop looking at our situation, worried about where we're at, because we know who has brought us there. See, the provision God brings to you is circumstantial, but the God of provision is not circumstantial. You don't have to wonder 
Well, which God do I call on now? Which God can help me with this situation? I'm glad to know, although my battles change, although my situations change, my God doesn't change and his name is Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're having marital problems. The God of solution is his name is Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're having financial problems. Come on, church, I'm preaching. I'm preaching to somebody. It doesn't matter your problem. It doesn't matter the battle because the God that equips you is the God that's here today. The same God that we sing about day in, day out. The same God you worship and praise. The God that you call Lord. That's the God that's going to equip you to win this battle. Sister, don't lose that, 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 that desire. Don't lose that, that urgency to get to the house of the Lord. No matter the battle that you fight, remember who's fighting for you. Don't lose that zeal. We need to get the zeal of new converts. We shouldn't come in here and sit on a pew with our face so heavy because of gravity and age. Because God's joy is more powerful than gravity and age. I'll probably get in trouble for that one later, but it's okay. Sister Tennille, do not allow the adversary to try and make you look through a lens of defeat. Because he wants to distract you from who is fighting your battles. God's got you. God's got you. To everyone in this church, God's got you. He sees where you're at. He knows what you do behind closed doors. He knows the battles that you face that only you and God know. That battlefield I was talking about earlier, the battlefield of your mind and the battlefield of your heart, only God knows what you're going through. But that's the only person that needs to know. He's the one that brings provision. He's the one that brings rest and restoration. Glad to know that although my battles change, my God does not change. I know through the word of God, the word will never change. And my God and his word are one and the same. Let me uh, bring you a little bit of scripture. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1 and 1. You see, John 1 and 14 says, And the Word was made flesh, and flesh dwelt among us, and, and was beheld by His glory, the glory uh, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, people claim Jesus was just a fleshly being, Making him separate from God because God is a spirit. But on the road to Damascus, Saul, better known as Paul to us today, was struck down by the blinding light and a booming voice. And when he addressed the voice that would ask him, why do you persecute me? He asked, who are thou, Lord? You see, to us, to our carnal minds, he was just asking Simple question. Who is it that addresses me? But knowing Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, is one Lord. 
and knowing Ephesians 4 and 5. Oh Lord, or one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Lord meaning ruler of my life. Paul was asking, who art thou ruler of my life? And the voice responded, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. This was not a fleshly manifestation. God knows what weapons to use to cut down and destroy your doubt. We try and explain away God's phenomenal or phenomenon. We try and explain away the miracles and the spiritual blessings that God is trying to, to bestow upon you. Why? Because it takes a little bit of discomfort, stepping out of your comfort zone. We have created limitations within the church as to where we can go. I don't care to come up to the altar, but I'm not going any further than that. Physically coming to the altar is one of those physical weapons the weapons I was talking about earlier, don't expect to use physical weapons to win spiritual battles. Coming to the altar is only part of it. Laying down your life. Laying down the struggles. Laying down the temptation. And letting God take over. Letting God defeat those battles. Letting God take care of the lost loved ones. I have lost loved ones. I pray for them all the time. I fast for them. And whenever I reach out to them, it's almost as if I'm mocked. They don't have a clue that I'm fasting for them. They don't have a clue that I'm praying for them because I don't want it to be in vain. It's not about me. I am bringing my problems. I'm bringing the battles that afflict me to the creator and to the one that can fight those battles and have an impact. But the devil knows, and through their response, I feel mocked. That doesn't mean I give up. That doesn't mean that I, I pick up the sword of offense. That doesn't mean that I pick up the sword and the shield of doubt and start looking at my God and say, why haven't you done it? Your word says, ask and it shall be given. But his word also says, continue in prayer and watch in the same and give thanks. Because although it hasn't showed up yet, you can take it to the bank. If you pray it and trust in God and it falls in the lines of his word, it's going to be done. That's something to rejoice about. Amen. This was not a fleshly manifestation. God knows what weapons to use to cut down your doubt. Doubt is a powerful weapon that the adversary has used for generations. And he will continue to use this weapon of doubt until the Lord comes back. Deception is how the, the doors of churches are shut forever. Destruction is the tool that the adversary loves to use. We have to begin to acknowledge what weapons are being used against the church. doesn't really matter because we know that our God is stronger than those weapons. Our God is, is, is more powerful than our adversary. But we have to start calling the devil out on all the junk that he's doing. We have to start calling him out on all the stuff he's trying to mess up in our lives. 
We can't let him run rampant. It's like whenever I have, if Deacon was running around here, I'm not going to choose to ignore him. I'm going to pick him up and I'm going to go sit him down. If he's old enough to know better, like Pastor said earlier, we're taking a trip and we're going to have a talk. If he still doesn't want to act right, well, you know what the Word of God said. Spool the rod, or spare the rod, you hate your child. And I, that's what the Word of God says. And I always thought it was spare the rod, spoil the child. My wife corrected me, and that's okay. She told me the Word of God, and she showed me. That's what you need to be able to do. Correct somebody and show them the Word of God. She said that, listen, the Word of God says... You spare the rod, you hate your child. Why? Because you need to correct them. You need to tell them what's right and what's wrong. You're equipped. God's using you to equip those children to fight battles that you won't be present for. I'm going to say that again for the ones that did not hear. God is using you to equip those children to fight battles that you will not be present for. Schools are going to have influence on your children. And our schools are hiring and using individuals that do not have the same beliefs as us. In fact, they despise, some of them despise the beliefs. And don't believe just because we're as far east in Kentucky as you can go, that's not going to end up here. It's not going to reach here. The adversary knows where the church is. He knows, he knows, and he desires to sift us as wheat. He desires to destroy the church, and of course, he's going to go for the branches. The branches, if he can begin to destroy the branches, our children, the minds of our children, that's why it's so important to take them to Sunday school. It's so important to teach them that God is the one fighting your battles, because if they start buying into what this world is selling, we're in trouble. They start cutting off the branches, our children. The roots are going to get distracted. And the roots aren't going to get fed. And then the tree, the body of Christ, is going to wither. And it's going to spiritually die. Do not allow the fact that you have lost loved ones equip you with carnal weapons. Because as soon as you're distracted, that's whenever the enemy pounces, whenever the enemy comes against you. I was fishing with a buddy not long ago, and I'm, I'm getting ready to come to a close. See, I was fishing with a buddy, and uh, you know, being as spiritual as I am, I was fishing. And it was dark. had a headlight on, but that was it. He had a headlight on. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the dark. It's not the dark itself, it's what's in the dark. And I heard something splash off to my right. I said, man, did you hear that? He said, oh, yeah, I heard it. I said, I don't like. I grew up around gators, okay. I, I don't like splashing in the, in the water in, in the dark. And uh, I said, I don't like that. And he said, listen, he said, things are always more brave in the dark. He was not talking spiritual, but I took it spiritually. I said, you, you don't even realize how accurate you are. In your midnight hour, 
whenever you don't feel equipped to fight any battle, whenever you're tired, whenever you're expecting rest to be found, but yet instead you are chained, you are bound, and you don't feel like you're equipped, that's whenever the enemy is going to fight you the hardest. That's why a lot of people that are addicted to things that they should not be looking at are fought the hardest at night. Because you're supposed to be resting. You've laid down those spiritual weapons. You've put down your guard. And that's when you're spiritually fought. See, going back to Paul, whenever he asked, who are you, ruler of my life? The voice responded, I am Jesus, whom thou persecute. God knows what weapons to use to cut down and destroy your doubt. And right now he's trying to use the weapon of preaching, the full, foolishness of preaching. Listen, I'm not a great preacher, I'm not a great orator, but he can use someone as me to bring you the word of God. <laughs> Praise God. That's a testimony in itself. If you knew the road that I was on growing up, raised up in church, knowing truth, but feeding the Lord of self, feeding the Lord of self. My flesh grew up knowing to call Jesus Lord, knowing that he was one that was willing to fight my battles, knowing that through his death, death burial, and resurrection, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ, being, repenting at an altar, being baptized in Jesus' name, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. I grew up being taught all these things. But because I was trying to equip myself to fight spiritual battles, I was losing and I was lost. As soon as I got tired of losing, as soon as I got tired of getting beat up, and I turned over to God, and he began to equip me, you see where I am today, not because of might, not because of power, but because of his spirit alone, saith the Lord of hosts. And I give him all the glory. I give him all the praise. I'm a walking, talking, moving miracle. And so is everybody sitting in this place today. You see, if God didn't want you, you wouldn't be here. He has a desire that all, even as, as many as the Lord our God shall call, that all would come into his house and that his house may be filled. Hallelujah. See, God has left his word of certainty and direction as a weapon for his people. I'm coming to a close, and the musicians and singers may come. See, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3 and 16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, and righteousness. Do not pick up the spiritual or the carnal sword and shield of offense whenever God uses scripture to correct you. As I prepare to end this message, and I encourage you to come to an altar of opportunity, I leave you with this question. What question or what weapons are you being equipped with every day? You see, there are choices, church. 
as to what weapon you're going to wake up and you're going to choose. It's as if I was someone that, that was a strong believer in carrying a concealed handgun. And I believed in it. I knew the weapon could be used to protect my family. But yet every morning that I was charged with protecting my family, making sure they're safe, I left my weapon at home. And I was not equipped to fight that battle. Now apply that to your spiritual life. Every Sunday you get a blessing. Every Sunday you're equipped with what it's going to take to make it through this world and to be a light unto this dark and dying world. And But yet you leave it at the house of God. And you wonder why we come dragging in. You wonder why. You're so destroyed whenever you make it back to the house of God. It's because you're still fighting your battles when that's God's job. What weapons are you being equipped with every day? Who are you allowing to equip you? And who is the Lord of your life? I wonder, can we stand all around this building? And if the Lord's pulling at you, come to this altar of opportunity right now. As the praise team prepares to take us into an atmosphere of praise and of worship, let the Lord equip you and let him fight your battle.